She was on her way to the Rialto market, hoping to buy some bongole from one of the local fishmongers, despite the fact that it was October and therefore not really the season for them, when she felt someone grab her by the wrist. Just moments earlier, Frances, or Frankie, as she was known to the small set of people she had called friends over the years, had been walking alongside the Grand Canal, concerned with nothing more than her aching feet crying out for a vaporetto. Pulling the cowl of her houndstooth wool overcoat tightly to her neck, in what she was forced to concede was a failing attempt to keep out the impending cold and drizzle, she had made her way determinedly towards the fish market, her heels clicking against the rain-splattered cobblestones, dodging the crowds of tourists winding their cameras with spools of film to capture the city's famous candelabras, and their accompanying tour guides, wooden paddles held high into the air, all the while cursing the friend who was supposed to have been walking alongside her in this miserable weather. Instead, weeks before, Frankie had sat alone at Victoria Station, about to board a train to Dover, a crumpled telegram somewhere at the bottom of her bag. It had been handed to her along with her ticket. Running late. Stop. Sorry. Stop. Forgive me. Frankie knew that the use of a question mark was impossible in a telegram, but still, it didn't stop her feeling needled by the assumption of the last bit, turning the latter into a declaration instead of a plea. She was used to such flightiness on the part of her friend, and yet the slight had rankled more than usual. Venice had been Jack's suggestion, after all. Frankie would never have come on her own. When Frankie later telephoned her friend from the telephone box at the station, Jack had begged her to cancel and wait until the following weekend when they could set off together and be in the city of Bridges in just a few hours rather than a few days. Frankie still didn't understand the reason for the delay, had heard the edge in Jack's voice when she had broached the question. It wasn't as if Jack had to clock in. Heiresses were not subject to the same gruelling schedule as the rest of the world. Jack was, had always been, at the mercy of no one but herself, a fact she often tried to exert upon others. But that day, Frankie had refused. She had only ever flown once before and had detested every second. There was something about it, the whining of the engines, the slamming of air, of oxygen, of force, of gravity, the toll she could feel it taking on her body. She wondered about her insides, whether they were as clenched, condensed, as twisted and distorted as they felt. She had been, for the duration of the trip, aware of nothing so much as the feeling of being trapped in that box of tin, thick with cigarette smoke and cloying perfume, with polite conversations and sharp, quick glances. It reminded her too much of the years during the war, confined in dusty basements, listening to the roar of planes overhead. She had sprinted from her seat the moment the plane touched the ground. Not that the ferry and train over had proved to be much better. The ferry had been an arduous journey, the inside suffocating in warmth, filled to the brim with ladies playing bridge, unsupervised children running wild, their husbands and fathers retreating to dark corners with cigarettes and measures of scotch, while the dark and gloom of the weather outside made it impossible to step out for a breath of fresh air. Later, in Italy... Frankie had misread her connecting ticket, thinking she was leaving Turin from Porta Souza, the station where she had arrived from Paris. She realised only at the last minute that the train to Venice left from Porta Nuova, nearly a full mile away. After several panicked moments, she managed to come to her senses 
and hail a taxi, arriving mercifully just in time, although flushed and sweating as she collapsed into her assigned seat, blood pounding in her ears. Her spirits had been further dampened upon realising her travelling companion was an elderly woman, cloaked in a large and rather foul-smelling fur coat, with a miserable-looking dachshund, which was prone to fits of loud yapping every time the train lurched, perched on her lap. When Frankie finally arrived at the station in Venice and managed to purchase the right ticket for the right water bus, she had experienced an inflated sense of triumph. Alighting at the San Zaccaria station, confident in her ability to steer herself through the city unaided, she had even gone so far as to decline the help of a smiling porter, determined to make her way through the Sestiere of Costello, all on her own. It was a decision she soon regretted, as her meticulously written directions led her down one street and then another, the width barely large enough for herself and her one leather bag, let alone the people trying to make their way from the opposite direction.